0: The Old Testament reading is from Micah, the fifth chapter. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor is given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the first chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name." This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
1: In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. From Micah chapter 5. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient, eternal days. Lord, show us how you came into this world to judge evil and to restore righteousness through your Son Jesus, and especially show us tonight the significance of his birthplace, O little town of Bethlehem. Amen. All of us have a birthplace and a birth date. And for all of us, that is an important identification. Jesus had a birthplace as well, and that was part of his important identity. God wants us to wonder about that and to learn the significance of it. Why? God does nothing that's not important. So why did God choose this unknown little town, this unknown little city of Bethlehem as the birthplace of the Messiah, of His Son, and of the Savior of this world. We're going to learn tonight by looking at the prophet Micah how this shows us that salvation is what God is concerned about the most. Salvation from sin. And we're going to learn how that salvation is His work and not ours, which is a good thing because that Makes it sure and certain. And then we're also going to see how God often uses things that are small to do things that are great. And how sometimes, though we may feel very small in this world, we are part of a great work of salvation that began a long time ago in Bethlehem. Well, let's talk first of all a little bit about Bethlehem itself. It's a very old city ancient city, but it's certainly not a mythical city. We read about it, first of all, in the book of Genesis. This is where Rachel, the wife of Jacob, was laid to rest. And this is also the city where Ruth, the Moabitess, because of a famine in her land, she, through uh, her mother-in-law, Naomi, came to know the Lord and to believe in Him, and to return with her to Bethlehem. And she gleaned in the fields of a Bethlehem farmer by the name of Boaz. She married Boaz, and they had a son named Obed, and Obed had a son named Jesse. and Jesse had a bunch of sons that were Shepherd, that were uh, his sons, but one in particular was the youngest of all, the shepherd's son, David. He had the worst job in the whole family. But God chose David to be the second king of Israel. And not only that, but God also chose David to be the beginning of a throne that would last forever through one of his sons that would come later on in this world. And that's what Micah is talking about in the fifth chapter here when he says, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel. And he's not just any ordinary ruler, not just another one of the many kings of Israel and Judah, but this is one who comes from ancient of days, from eternity itself, to judge evil, which is something that kings have to do, But something that kings had great difficulty doing all throughout the history of Israel to restore righteousness. And when you read the book of Micah, that's exactly what you see the Messiah's goal is. And so Bethlehem's not important for any reason in and of itself, but because God chose it. This is where God chose to begin things. It's good for us to look a little bit further, though, in the context of Micah 5, verse 2, and this great prophecy that 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Micah could already say that this ruler of Israel would come from, where of all places, Bethlehem. Micah also had a lot of other things, though, to say to the people of Israel and Judah in his day. He needed to tell them that the world needed to be saved. He said in chapter 3 that the Lord had given him the spirit to declare to Jacob and to Israel about its sins. It was a world that, like and we've seen this in many of the prophets, a theme over and over again, that the people of Israel were following the ways of the world which basically boiled down to seeking decadence through injustice. In one verse, uh, Micah says that if if there was a preacher who preached about wine and strong drink, this would be the preacher for you. He said that these were people, people of Israel at this time, who hated good but loved evil. Another thing he said about them was, each of them was walking in the name of their own God. They are following lots of different gods, which was the way of the world. Every God's good. Every religion's okay. They all lead to the same place. Micah condemned them for following sorceries, carved images, sacred pillars. And finally, in chapter 6, verse 8, he tells them exactly what they have forgotten to do. It's a great verse that a lot of people have memorized. This is what God wants you to do, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. When you read through Micah, which I encourage you to do, you could do that tonight, only seven chapters, you could read it tomorrow for sure, you see that the world hasn't really changed very much at all. The world still pursues decadence through injustice, and it has its own false religions to support it and to give it some sense of of, uh, belief, that it's actually believing in something. And these are also temptations for each of us. Although called out of the world as into the kingdom of God, the world is always calling us back and drawing us back and trying to bring us to that old belief that all worship the same God, and that many follow, for example today, the sorceries of what I would call scientism, to think that our solutions to the real problems of life are to be found in a laboratory and with medicines and technology and things like that. Others follow what I might call the carved image of politicalism. This is the worship of government and the belief that We can get ourselves organized. All we need is the right party, the right ruler, more laws, and we will solve the ills of all humanity. The worst of all, I would say, would be those who literally have their arms wrapped around the sacred pillar of feelings. Let your feelings and let your heart be your guide in all things. And there's all sorts of religions to support and promote all of this. And all of them basically are human-based and human-focused religions. They may have the name of a god and they may have some what they think is a sacred writing or something like that. But in the end, they all teach these basic ideas. You need to get what you deserve. And if you call it justice, then it must be justice. And above all, let your feelings be your guide. These are the things that draw... Try to draw us away into that way of pride and of lust and of greed and of the unrepentance of the world. This was Micah's word of judgment. But as all the prophets in the Old Testament and the apostles and evangelists in the New Testament, and especially Jesus himself, always did, was to move on from there to the hope and to the restoration of righteousness that only God can bring about. Micah didn't come just to condemn the world and Israel for its evils. He came to bring hope and salvation. He came to show Israel and to show us how God restores that righteousness, beginning with this promise of a ruler who would come from little Bethlehem. Because Jesus was born in Bethlehem in this way, and in the context and setting of the whole prophet Micah, we can draw these three great lessons. First of all, this was prophesied. 700 years, as I said, before the time when Jesus was born, Micah already knew from the word of the Lord that this would happen. This identifies Jesus as the true Savior and all of Bible prophecy does that. This is one of several important prophecies. Another one I already mentioned from 2 Samuel chapter 7 said that there would be a son of David who would bring God's eternal justice and justification into this world. Or the prophecy that we find from Isaiah chapter 53 that describes in even more detail how this ruler of Israel would actually become a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. But all of these prophecies are important because they zero in and they show us for sure who is the prophet. You see, the devil wants to keep the world confused. And so as Jesus himself said, there are many who will claim to come in my name, many false saviors, many false messiahs, and sometimes even the devil tries to use prophecy. He can prophesy, but he can't fulfill. Only God is the one who makes the prophecies that are fulfilled. And how many of them are, beautifully, in Jesus. Jesus' identity is given to us by his birth in Bethlehem. The second thing about Bethlehem is that it shows us that salvation comes from the Lord. Uh, Micah says that, Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. This ruler would not throw out the commandments of God as so many of the kings of Israel and Judah had done. He would not dismiss them in any way. As Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, every single one of them is important. He would consistently follow those commandments that God had given us, especially those of Moses. But the best part is that Jesus didn't just come to talk about the commandments, but to live them himself and to fulfill them. He came in the name of the Lord, doing the word of the Lord. And this is his greatness. Not that he could bench press 300 pounds or run faster than a bullet, but that he was holy. And because he was holy, evil had no power over him. It takes a clean rag to pick up dirt. And Jesus, born in Bethlehem, uh, as Micah tells us, comes to us in the majesty of the name of the Lord and God's holiness. Thirdly, Jesus' birth in Bethlehem especially shows us that Jesus comes to bring us mercy. And that mercy is the only thing that will save us from our sins. Some of you may remember I had a license plate on my car and it just said Micah 718. People used to ask me, why Micah 7.18? Not your most uh, typical or common verse that people would think of, but it's a favorite verse of mine. It's one of the last verses of the prophet Micah. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of your inheritance? He does not retain anger forever because He delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. There's Micah's promise and hope of righteousness restored through the forgiveness of sins. It's also kind of personal for me because the words me, ale, mocha, or kamoka are very similar to the name Michael itself. Michael, the word, means there is no other God like this. Angry at our sins? Yes. But no other God does this, to be merciful, to take our sins, to cast them into the depths of the sea. I've said this before and I'll say it again and again and again. Sin is powerful. It's the second most powerful thing in the world. Because it is so destructive. But God's grace is the one thing more powerful than our sins. And it is God's grace that he has shown to us. In this ruler from Bethlehem. This ruler of Israel. Who would go to the cross. So that in that act. He would cast our sins into the depth of the sea. Drowned in his blood. Washed away in our baptism. Every thought. Every word. Every every deed that is sinful, every time we have failed to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God, all of that picked up, passed over, and cast away. Well, this is enough for tonight, but Christmas is coming, and hang on, there will be more to learn about this Savior from Bethlehem. And not only this... Friday and Saturday and Sunday, but in all the Sundays that follow as we soon move into a new year, we're going to continue learning this great mystery and this work of salvation for us. But as I close, I'd like to come back to just these words that Micah also mentioned about Bethlehem. He said, You who are little... This shows us that, as I said, salvation is His, not ours. And sometimes I feel little and weak in this world, but the Bible says God chooses what is little, what is weak, even what is foolish, to overcome evil. So as you and I struggle with sin, sometimes we are tempted to despair and think there's nothing that could be done either about our sin personally or all the sins of the world around us. And that tempts us to to pout. Or we may look at the same problem and just kind of give up and not care anymore. Either about our own sins personally or again about the sins of the whole world. And that tempts us to go out and play. Micah is telling us, don't do that. God is winning this battle. And here's one thing you can surely take home with you this evening. Little with God equals great it always has it does today and we will see that certainly in the future little with God equals great when you feel little remember little Bethlehem when you feel weak remember the tiny baby in the manger trust God for his forgiveness his restoration of righteousness his salvation walk humbly with him God used little Bethlehem to begin all of this. God uses you and he uses me. Believe it, live it, share it. Amen. Please write.